This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. This was shocking. It's unsettling. I really couldn't even go into the psyche of somebody that is able to do this, ma'am. I never would have felt anything like this. He hit it very well. I think the dates are important in this case because they paint a picture of um, a lot of un- a lot of knowns, but a lot of unknowns, like what happened. In criminal investigations, timelines matter. And the idea of a timeline can be simple. What happened when? But in this story, the timeline might make you wonder, could something have been done to stop this from all happening? Could something have been done to stop a serial killer from killing again? On February 18th, 2017, police in Gallup, New Mexico, are dispatched to a domestic disturbance between Jason Allen Thornburg and Tanya Begay. We did investigate a um, aggravated battery against a household member charge. Tanya tells police that she is in an argument with her boyfriend, Jason. This is Josh Sanders, a reporter at KPNX 12 News in Phoenix. And Jason throws this empty glass coffee pot at her that then shatters uh, shatters her onto her face. And she has like glass just all over glass. They, they, they know that the glass is embedded in her right eye. Police begin knocking on doors, talking to neighbors. Police then go looking for Thornburg and he's not there. So less than a month later, Sunday, March 19th, 2017, Tanya's mother, Teresa Begay, reports her missing to the Gallup, New Mexico police. So domestic disturbance, February 18th, missing March 19th. According to the Gallup, New Mexico police report from that day, Teresa also tells police that her daughter's boyfriend, Jason, was abusive and their relationship was volatile. Reporter Josh Sanders would later hear similar reports and accusations. I did speak with a family member of Tanya Begay who says they all told her that Jason Allen Thornburg was a bad guy and not good for her. Tanya Begay's mother also tells police that the last time she actually saw her daughter in person was in Tohatchi, New Mexico on March 2nd. Leaving her aunt's house and was with her boyfriend, Jason Allen Thornburg. And she tells police that they stole her car. Tanya's mother says the last time she heard from her daughter after she and Jason took off in that stolen car was the following day, March 3rd, 2017. Tanya told her mother she was in Arizona, where Jason Thornburg sometimes lived with his parents on tribal land. So even before calling police in Gallup, Tanya's mom reached out to tribal police in Dokken, Arizona. Tribal police tell Teresa they spoke with the family of Thornburg, and he was last seen at his mother's house on March 14th. Family told Tilken police that Thornburg was alone and left in the same car that was reported stolen. March 17th, a neighbor reports seeing Thornburg back in Gallup, New Mexico. Two days later, a family member named Carlos Blacko tells Teresa, Tanya's mom, that he sees Thornburg and asks Thornburg, where is Tanya? Thornburg says, well, Tanya's at home, my house, 
and invites Black Oak back to his house. But Black Oak doesn't go because he tells police that he felt that something was fishy. Remember, this is all in that time period after the domestic disturbance in February and before Tanya's mom, Teresa, calls Gallup police to report her daughter missing. But it appears, according to that neighbor, that Jason Thornburg is back in Gallup now. And no one has seen Tanya. So at this point, Gallup police have an active search warrant out for Thornburg for hitting Tanya in the face with that glass coffee pot. And then another reported sighting of Thornburg. This time, a man named Dwayne Johnson, the property owner of Thornburg's apartment in Gallup, reports seeing Thornburg on March 16th. Dwayne Johnson sees Thornburg on March 16th, and Thornburg says that he and Tanya went to visit his family in Dilkin, Arizona. Thornburg says that he and Tanya got into a fight and she leaves him in Holbrook, Arizona. Johnson would eventually call police with another sighting. And this time, it would lead police right to Thornburg. March 21st, Johnson contacts the Gallup police and says that Thornburg is in sleeping inside his car in this garage close to his apartment. That's when Gallup police finally arrest Thornburg. This is the first time they finally have Thornburg in front of them. He was brought in for an interview here with the Gallup Police Department, um, working with the FBI, um, at which time he did retain an attorney. Jason Thornburg was brought in on domestic assault charges and not considered a suspect in the missing persons investigation. But according to New Mexico court files on June 22nd, those domestic assault charges were dropped against Thornburg. Because the Gallup Police Department says the witness wasn't there. The victim wasn't able to participate because she's missing. Despite no sign of Tanya or significant leads, police were able to get pings on Tanya's cell phone in the days before she was reported missing. Her cell phone was last pinged on towers in Tohatchie and then Dilkin, Arizona, tribal land. Gallup Police Department sits right at the, um, is a border town with the Navajo Reservation and also the Zuni Reservation. There was another item in one of the police reports, one that now, in retrospect, seems noteworthy. Two days after Tanya Begay's mother reports her missing, Jason Thornburg is seen by two neighbors burning unknown items outside of his home in Dilkin, Arizona. As it turns out, Jason Thornburg does have a criminal history in Arizona. According to the Arizona Department of Corrections, he was convicted in a vehicle theft case in Pima County in 2015 and sentenced to nine months in jail before his parole in February the following year. But back in June 2017, that's where it all seemed to come to an end. No sign of Tanya, and Gallup police were forced to turn the investigation over to Navajo police. Gallup police interviewing their chief, their hands are tied. They're not able to do much unless they get permission from tribal police to come onto tribal land. Because at this point, the federal, you know, the FBI has to be involved as well. Jason Allen Thornburg's next moves didn't keep him out of trouble for long, though. He moved to Texas, where he was arrested for evading arrest with a vehicle. 
He served a two-year sentence for evading arrest with a vehicle in Wise County. Thornburg was released to mandatory supervision in May of 2019 and was discharged a year later. Since then, he's been working as an electrician's apprentice in Arlington. But less than a year later, in May of 2021, police in Texas have another run-in with Thornburg. This time, it's connected to a suspicious death investigation. A man, 61-year-old Richard Mark Jewell, is found dead in a house fire. Thornburg is the man's roommate. But investigators don't have enough information to tie Thornburg to the case. A few months later, on September 22nd of this year, firefighters respond to another fire in the Fort Worth area. It's just after 6 in the morning when they're called out to the 3100 block of Bonnie Drive. But investigators quickly learn they're dealing with more than just a dumpster fire. September 22nd, 2021, um, fire officials were called out in Fort Worth. They find dismembered bodies. Fort Worth first responders found a dumpster on fire last Tuesday with three dismembered bodies inside. A shocking discovery by Fort Worth police, first learning of the murders on September 22nd after firefighters found mutilated bodies and a dumpster engulfed in flames. It doesn't take long for an investigation to lead police to Jason Allen Thornburg. So investigators in Fort Worth, they were in the process of finding this Jeep that was seen around the dumpster. By cross-referencing, they say nearly 7,000 vehicles in the area. That's when they connect Thornburg as a Jeep owner and recognize his name because of the suspicious death of 61-year-old Mark Jewell in the same area in May of that year. That's according to police. Then officials say detectives reviewed surveillance video from a Euless motel where Thornburg was staying, and that video reportedly showed him loading and unloading containers into his Jeep on the property. There's other surveillance video that then shows him dumping dismembered body parts from clear plastic containers into the dumpster. It turns out Thornburg had moved into the Mid-City Inn on July 28th, and in September, in the week prior to the dumpster fire, someone reported seeing a man named David Luares staying with Thornburg. Luares was one of the victims found in the dumpster fire. That same person also tells police he had recently seen a woman staying in the room who had reddish blonde hair. According to police, that woman turned out to be another victim discovered in the dumpster fire. Well, a parent's love is a force like no other, and you don't even want to think about outliving your children. But sadly, that's not the case for the parents of Lauren Phillips and Maricruz Reyes Mathis. A medical examiner identified them as two of the three bodies firefighters found in a dumpster. The ME also identified 42-year-old David Lueras. Their bodies were found late last month burned and dismembered in the Fort Worth neighborhood of Western Hills. The suspect was arrested a few days later at a motel. It's where Maricruz lived before she died. Mary and Cecil Henshaw have been waiting desperately for their daughter, Mary Cruz Reyes Mattis, to call. I still had that little bit of glimpse of hope that, Lord, you'd let that phone ring and I could pick it up and hear her voice. 33-year-old Mary Cruz was a sister and mother to a young boy. They say she struggled on and off with drug addiction. She'd gone missing before, but they always heard from her. She'd call and you know, say, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This time, their phone went silent for weeks. I worried every night and prayed about where she put her head. It's a heartbreaking outcome. 
The medical examiner's office confirmed Mary Cruz was the third victim found dismembered and burned in a Fort Worth dumpster last month. It's not fair. Jason Thornburg is the suspect charged with capital murder of multiple persons, including Mary Cruz. According to court records, Thornburg told police he did this for religious reasons and that he was being called to commit sacrifices. Mary Cruz's parents say she was staying at the Mid-City Inn in Euless, where Thornburg also lived. They believe she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I really believe that he deserves the death penalty. Please don't let him out on the street again. Mary Cruz mattered. She loved the youth and helping others. Now they'll never get to see their bubbly daughter again. There won't be anything at Christmas and Thanksgiving and she'll love the holidays. She liked to put the Christmas hat on and look silly and, and the phone won't ring again. Jason Thornburg is taken into custody on September 27th. On Monday, Jason Allen Thornburg was arrested by Fort Worth police in Texas after investigators found three dismembered and burned bodies inside a dumpster. Police say Thornburg first killed David Luares, who had lived with him for a few days, dismembered his body in a bathtub using a straight blade knife, and stored the body in trash bags. A couple days later, he did the same thing to a woman who was a casual friend, and a third time, two days later, but strangled a woman in his rooms. Yeah, we never suspected anything. Conti Gandhi is the manager at Mid-City Inn in Euless, where police say the killings happened. I have talked to him many, many times, and he never fought with me about anything. Police say the night the bodies were put in the dumpster, surveillance video from this motel captured Thornburg walking from his room to his Jeep, carrying Rubbermaid containers and wearing a full body suit used in drywall or hazmat cleaning. It blows me away. It just totally blows my mind. Scott Shaw lived just above Thornburg's unit and had recently asked him about an odor. He goes, yeah, I think somebody peed underneath the stairs. I said, no, it don't smell like urine to me. It's something else. I mean, it was bad for a week. Thornburg allegedly tells detectives that he killed and dismembered 42-year-old David Luaris and then two other women in the name of God and believed that the Bible was calling him to commit human sacrifices. He, he killed these three people. He confessed to killing them um, in two days between each, each death. But it's during that interview shortly after his arrest that investigators discover they're dealing with more than just the three murders connected to the Fort Worth dumpster fire. During the investigation or an interview, he told investigators, well, one, he told investigators that he was sacrificing people in the name of God. And the next thing he told them was he killed two other people, one being his girlfriend in Arizona, Tanya Begay. Big story tonight, a suspected serial killer accused of horrifying crimes in Texas says one of his victims includes his former girlfriend who was last seen here in Arizona. It's a case detectives are calling shocking and unsettling. 41-year-old Jason Thornburg was arrested on Monday after police found three dismembered and burned bodies in a Fort Worth dumpster. Detectives say Thornburg admitted killing those three people along with two others, including his former girlfriend who he said he sacrificed in Arizona. According to the warrant, Thornburg confessed to the three murders and said he believed he was called to commit human sacrifices based on his knowledge of the Bible. His Fort Worth pastor, Shane Gray, responding to his arrest. Uh, Mr. Thornburg appeared uh, normal. 
on the surface of things, and that makes a, a tragic event like this so shocking. Thornburg told police he was being called to commit sacrifices and also admitted to killing his former roommate, 61-year-old Mark Jewell, in May of this year and burning down the home and then confessed to killing his girlfriend in Arizona. I really couldn't even go into the psyche of somebody that is able to do this, ma'am. Now, we've learned that Jason Thornburg attended a Fort Worth church off and on. Neighbors in Ulysses told us that he was often seen reading the Bible. And today we talked to the pastor at HopeWorks Fellowship. Mr. Thornburg clearly uh, chose to follow a path that was not Christ's path, and it results in destruction to the families of the victims that, that we share in your grief, we share in your heartache and um, your pain. There are many details still coming to light and much that we're still learning from investigators. In Arizona, KPNX reporter Josh Sanders continues to ask questions of police and wait for answers. Questions that could possibly shed light on what exactly happened to Tanya McGay. Josh is also struck by other details of what happened back in 2017. You have two neighbors that have report, you report him burning things outside of his house in Dilkin. Well, you know, fast forward to September 22nd of this year, he's burning things in Fort Worth, Texas, and he's burning three dismembered bodies that he's sacrificed in the name of God. So there's just, there's a lot of questions uh, to this. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson here with Reed Redman. Read obviously, a lot of dates and a lot going on with this case or cases, uh, different jurisdictions, uh, several different states are involved. But I go back to the case and, and that original domestic dispute that that Jason Thornburg had with his girlfriend, Tanya Begay, and the point that Josh Sanders from KPNX in Phoenix, Arizona, brought up with me at the time and, and from talking to him recently, I know he still wants to ask the question of the FBI and also the Navajo Nation, did they consider him a person of interest in her disappearance early on? So, you know, a after she was reported missing, after this domestic dispute for which he was wanted and, and police were looking for him, when they finally got him in the room, those were charges that they wanted to talk to him about. But did they bring up the fact that she was missing and what were they able to get out of him, if anything? From what we know, he was not considered a person of interest in that in that missing case. So we'll, we'll continue to look for answers on that. Right. That seems incredibly important, especially if we're looking back and asking, you know, were there opportunities to stop at least some of these alleged crimes from happening? Talking about the timeline and how many moving parts there are, can you kind of give us a quick recap of the major events that are wrapped up in this case? I think your use of the word opportunity is, is exactly right. It seemed, it feels like a missed opportunity when you look at it from the outside. Uh, the, the timeline really goes like this, again, that in February, there was a domestic dispute. In March, she was reported missing. They were able to bring him in for questioning in March. And then that case, as we know, was thrown out in early summer because she was missing. And that's just another incredible sort of aspect to this case. From the outside, as you look at it, you say, well, you know, the, these charges against him in a domestic dispute were thrown out or, or they didn't follow up on because she wasn't there to testify or, or, or talk about what happened. And then he moved off to Texas. He got into trouble with the law in Texas. And then this year, that dumpster fire in September, uh, which came, you know, not long after his roommate was discovered dead in a house fire. So there's just 
all these elements to this case that's going to take a lot of time to put all this together, and the investigation is very much active and ongoing. Can you clarify for us how exactly investigators were eventually able to track down and identify Thornburg and, and bring him in? We talked about it in the episode, but it, it really is pretty incredible that you know they they saw this Jeep on a surveillance video near the dumpster, and they then went and identified all of the Jeeps in the area that they were aware of, some 7,000, I believe, we say in the episode. And they eventually saw his name attached to one of those Jeeps. And they were able to say, aha, we, we actually talked to this guy or he was connected to this, this house fire, this deadly house fire that happened earlier this year. And so that was really the clue that got this investigation going in the direction of Jason Thornburg. That kind of brings us up to present day. Where is Jason Thornburg now and where does his case go from here? Yeah, he is still in the Tarrant County Jail in Texas. His bond is set at $1 million. A magistrate judge has just ruled, actually, uh, last week that there is reasonable cause to believe that he is a mental illness or is a person with an intellectual disability. Uh, So the judge has ordered a a Tarrant County organization to interview him and evaluate whether he has a mental illness. The judge also ordered that a written evaluation be submitted to the court within within just a matter of days. So, you know, we should have maybe an update on that very soon in this case. Uh, The report is expected to include details on whether he has a mental illness or intellectual disability, whether there's evidence that he might be incompetent to stand trial, and whether any treatment or service is recommended. So a lot still to come on this case. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I assume that mental health evaluation will come into play in determining if he's fit to stand trial or if treatment might have to come before a trial. Exactly. So that's a huge question to have answered or at least for the courts to consider at this early point in time. But remember, he confessed to two other crimes outside of the three victims that were found in the dumpster. Uh, And we still don't have official word on whether he has been charged officially with those crimes. Right now, he's facing capital murder charges in connection with multiple people. So Again, just a a lot more to come on this. Reed, uh, of course, you can hear True Crime Chronicles every week. We are here. We also have a daily show, if you want to mention for listeners. Yeah, our daily podcast is called The Daily Crime. Will and I also co-host that one, and we put on a new episode five days a week. Go check it out. And we will be back next week with a new case and a new story.